What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. We have a special edition of the program today. Uh, we are discussing some traders as we have the most recent contestant murdered from the castle. Believe it or not, it's Bergy. Bergy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's go. Podcast time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. I, I was concerned. It seemed like a lot of people were trying to murder you. Yeah, you know, like I think I'm probably one of the first contestants to ever be murdered twice in a row. Like that, <laughs> that has to be like a record. I don't, and I honestly don't know if anybody's ever survived murder before. Like with all the international seasons, I I haven't watched <laughs> Australia. I didn't watch UK season two yet, and I haven't. Uh, but I've seen UK season one and US season one, and I think I'm the first person to survive murder. <laughs> well congratulations i have not seen any of the seasons i've just seen season one american season two american because i'm an american yeah but... <laughs> no i mean like did you know that this many people wanted to kill you no i think the crazy thing is like i was shocked the first time i got murdered i was like because we were doing the bird challenge and janelle and peter were like Bergy, go grab the shield. I was like, I don't need the shield, guys. You guys need it. You guys are like the masterminds of our alliance right now. And Janelle's like, well, I'm probably getting banished today. You go grab the shield. I was like, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me. I'll grab the shield. So then Trishel and I beelined it to the the shield and we got it. But then I you know, woke up the next morning. I'm like, I actually got murdered. I can't believe this. And they didn't show any of that. Like, you know, they, I still got the letter on the yellow couch and everything like a normal murder and I was like I was holding the shield I was like I'm coming after you guys but they didn't show any of that that's crazy that would have been great tv I can't believe they didn't show that I I think it's because like at that moment I was like gunning poverty more than Dan and I think they wanted to show Dan's downfall more than poverty's downfall at that point in the in the season so you were more after poverty than Dan yeah but it, they made it look like well, Dan apparently was really worried about me. I'm surprised you. Well, I was telling him his his name was on my chalkboard. I did follow him around the castle like the night before. <laughs> he did murder me, but I I had more evidence and felt more like poverty was a traitor than Dan at that point. But I think they just wanted to show Dan's downfall and him murdering me was a dumb idea. And poverty told him not to murder me, so that was his downfall. <laughs> and, so that's really interesting. So what? When did you catch on to poverty? So I don't want to say like, you know, like you don't want to think about production, but I was definitely thinking about production when the whole funeral scene happened with Ekansu, um, when Parvati, MJ and Ekansu stepped in the coffin. I was like, one of those has to be a traitor just from a production aspect. If I was someone working on like a TV show, I would definitely want to put one of my traitors in a coffin. And so like right then I knew Ekansu dies. So then I'm like, it's either harvard or mj and mj doesn't make any sense because she doesn't really know how this game is supposed to be played um so that would just be a bad trader choice so i was like it's definitely gotta be parvati and then the next day um who gets murdered tamara gets murdered and then peter and i are having a conversation on who we think the traders are i'm like dude i because he he voted the night before for mj thinking he had the same idea but like then we were talking that morning, like, dude, let's think about this. It has to be Parvati. Like, MJ's not going to be a traitor. And then we go and have a conversation with Parvati, and then she's trying to tell us it's MJ, trying to get us to vote for MJ again. Because I was like, Peter, let's think about this. I bet you're alive right now because 
they want you to go after MJ and that makes them survive another banishment. So then Parvati became our number one suspect with Dan. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so the first sign that you got that Parvati was a traitor, you st- was there any kind of seed planted before the funeral? Or was was the funeral something that sealed the deal? Or was that when you first started thinking about it? Uh, that's when she became like on my radar, like a giant blimp on my radar. Like it wasn't like sealed the deal, like you're a traitor, but it was like one of those moments where I was like, okay, you're probably a traitor now. What were you thinking before that? Was there anyone that you were suspicious of? Oh, can I actually grab my journal? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. I have my whole journal of like everything that I was thinking of. Oh, perfect. This is great. This is this is like a perfect opportunity. I could be like, this is who I was thinking this day. Okay. <laughs> the Bergy so, tell all. Let's go. Yeah, here let's go. All right, let's see here. So this is episode five. Yeah. So my suspects were Dan, CT, Parvati, Sandra, and Kevin. And then the next was actually Phaedra. So like Phaedra was in my top six, if you can believe that. And then the next day going to episode six, when I survived uh murder, it was my top two were Dan and Parvati, CT, Sandra, and Kevin. And then going into episode seven, it was Parvati and Sandra, Kevin, CT, Phaedra. And then I didn't make it to episode eight. So, but those were my suspects. Man, I, I want to know what else do you have in this notebook? Oh, so so every night I would categorize everybody into my faithfuls, my likables, and then my suspects. So like I had like theory tiers. So if you were in my faithfuls, like I had Bergy. Obviously, I knew I was the only faithful. Like that was a guaranteed. <laughs> Don, Trishel, and Peter. Like those were my my guaranteed faithfuls. And then like this is for episode five. Then I had a likable ca- category. So like could be a traitor, could not be. But I like I'm not gonna vote you out if that makes sense. So then. Janelle, Sheree, Tamara, uh, and then on the bottom of that was Phaedra. And then I had my suspects. So if their name was brought up at the round table, if you were in my suspect category, I was completely fine voting you out. Which was Dan, CT, Parvati, Sandra, Kevin. For episode one. So what were uh, CT, Sandra, and Kevin doing that made you weary of them? Yes. So CT, like if him and I were so close on the first day, and then I felt like over time as the series, like the season kept going, I felt like he got more and more like nervous and on edge. And I was just thinking maybe he's actually a traitor and he's like not handling the game well. But I think just as a faithful, like he started cracking a little bit. But part of that, I think, was when Larsa accused him of being a traitor. That like just made him crack a little bit. And then, you know, Janelle called him out the next day and then he cracked even more. And then he was like, really nervous around me because people that I was hanging around were suspecting him of being a traitor. So he's probably thinking I was thinking he was a traitor, which I kind of was because he was, <laughs> but it was, it was just him being nervous, not him actually being a traitor. And then about, yeah, Sandra and Kevin. So Sandra was a traitor, like on my suspect list because I thought Dan was a traitor. And then if you remember in episode three, she called up Max the same night Dan's name got mentioned. Cause I was ready to vote out Dan. I was like ready to vote out Dan. And then Sandra says, I think it's max. And I thought that was her way of defending Dan. If that makes sense. So I was like, Oh, she's a traitor. And she just defended another traitor. So that was my theory about him that. And then Kevin, Kevin was just all over the place. 
like <laughs> I, he would just come up to me with these like game theories and i was like okay is he doing this because he just he, he's <laughs> thinking something like this or is it because he's a traitor and he's trying to throw me off i he was just all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened a little bit on season one with Kate and Quentin, where I know that some of the some of their behavior was just like, oh, this seems kind of traitor-like. I don't know why they'd be doing that. Yeah. Same, kind of like Kate this year. She, or, you know, like her defending Phaedra. <laughs> it's going to look really bad when people, if people find out Phaedra's a traitor. Because she's so it's hard. It seems like you were pretty dialed in from the very beginning. Did you, it's really interesting. You mentioned how CT started to get accused and then he started to act weird. Did you have any fear of people accusing you or did you have any paranoia of like, if I do this thing, I'm going to look like a traitor? Um, yeah, right in the beginning. If you remember, Ekansu grilling me in the bar, like we go to the bar and immediately she just <laughs> questioning me as I'm trying to like just drink my drink. And I'm like, I, I was not prepared for this kind of game coming right into it. Like, you know, the traders get selected and we're in the bar. She's like, so why are you talking faster? Why, why, why have you like, I'm like, what changed all of a sudden? I'm like, I'm just hanging <laughs> out. I'm just trying to like enjoy the, the moment here. And uh, that, that was a thing. And then they didn't show this, but Max accused me of being a trader during his banishment. Oh, so he, he, um, he, he, um, on his way out, he stood up. He said, you would make the perfect trader and you would like us sitting next to CT. So he pointed at me and CT. He's like, you two would be the perfect trader. Nobody would ever suspect you. <laughs> just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I think I'm trying to remember if that was the only time. And then MJ accused me of being a trader after the funeral. She's like, Bergie would make the perfect trader again. So like, those are like, my name only got mentioned once at the round table. And then like, I'm probably sh pretty sure in side conversations, it was also mentioned, but like, I only heard it twice my whole time in the castle. How many times did you vote for somebody that you did not think was actually a traitor, but you went along with the numbers? Okay. Um, actually, the funny thing is I had stuff written down about Max cause he was just smiling and acting weird. So I did think he could potentially be one. Peppermint, I had no information to go on. So, like, that one. So, we'll say Max, I was wrong about. Peppermint, no information. But, like, the worry of, like, her actually being a traitor. And then I didn't vote for her. And I had nobody else to vote for. It's like, what information do I have against anybody else? So, I just... That one, like, so I'll say Peppermint, I didn't really think. But I had nothing else to go with. And then Larsa, I didn't want to vote Larsa out. And then I voted for Dan and I voted for Dan again. And that was it. So two of them. So one of them, I was wrong. I was wrong about Max. At the time of your murder, how confident were you in the people that you had identified as potential traitors? The second murder, second time you got murdered. Yeah, second time I got murdered. See, I thought Parvati was a traitor before. Phaedra was just on that line. Like I thought, so I think if I remember my list correctly, it went, it went Parvati. Sandra, CT, and then Phaedra. So, like, those were my top four. And I I wasn't, like, always 100%. Like, Dan, I was, like, Dan, I was 100%. Parvati, I was, like, 90%. And then I probably, Sandra, I was probably, like, 60% sure. Like, then it just dropped down. And then Phaedra was 50-50. CT was, like, 
you had a little bit of suspicion of Phaedra before Dan called her out, right? No, I did not, but Peter and John did. Hmm. Interesting. So John and Peter came up with that theory um, after Tamara got murdered, actually, because everyone was just attacking the housewives in episode four or like day four, if you want to call it that. And um, Peter and John were then like Tamara got murdered immediately after that. And it was like, that would be a bad move on the traders if there was actually not a housewife in there. They would want to keep the housewives numbers up. So that way we keep banishing them to see if there's actually a housewife trader. And so for one to get murdered, their numbers just decreased. So Peter and John picked up on that and thought that was suspicious. Interesting. What's the, that's, so that's something we obviously didn't see. Mm-hmm. What are some of the most interesting things that have happened up to this point in the show that they, you were surprised? Oh, wow. Why didn't they show that? Um, obviously I'm biased to like my own things that I experienced. Yes. <laughs> I really want. In addition to that, of course, that's number one. Yeah. Uh, my big thing is like when I called out Par- like when I was defending Janelle in episode five, I went at Dan and Parvati and they didn't show me going at Parvati at all. And I was like the most confident I was ever going to be because I was like, even like, let's say like I can convince everybody not to vote for Janelle and we get Dan out and then they try to murder me because I've been dumping all my evidence in and then I can get the next one out the next day. So I can go two for two on traders. And then we didn't get it out. We didn't get a trader out. Um, get murdered so it still kind of worked out then we banished the traitor and then i was like oh i could still get murdered again but then peter was making himself like the biggest target in the world which is kind of nice he's kind of my blanket (laughs) (laughs) so you guys were obviously a very tight group and you mentioned that at least within a handful of those people with that most faithful of faithfuls group or whatever the peter pals what brought you guys together how did you guys end up bonding and becoming so close and what made you certain that certain individuals were not traitors? Yeah. So it literally becomes based on like individual evidence, like same way you would make uh, evidence for someone being a traitor. You're going to make evidence for someone being a faithful. And Peter and I were in an alliance day one. Like we were walking around the castle. We're like, Oh, this is so cool. This is so cool. Like we're looking at the night in the hallway, like, we were, him and I were just like buddied up from day one. And then we just started strategizing together on who the traders could be from day one. And you're not going to like, we had maybe Dan like day two or day three. And we had Parvati like at the same time on day four. Like if we were traders, we wouldn't be like actually getting traders, right? Like if you were a trader, you'd try to like throw them off the set. You'd be like, actually, let's look at this. But like Peter and I were always working together. Trishel, the thing that made her stand out as a faithful, if you watch season one, it's like whenever you have like the balls to call someone out, you want to be accurate. Otherwise, if you're wrong, people are going to come after you. So like day one, she calls out Peppermint and is completely wrong. But it also shows that she's a faithful. Why would she like throw her game out the window? Like if you're a trader, you're trying to survive as long as possible. You're not going to be throwing out names, um, getting people coming to after you. Cause like, if you, if you're wrong a lot, people are going to be like, Oh my gosh, you're a traitor. Just trying to, you know, deflect, you, you know, you're not trying to get the scent off of you. So that to me, um, showed Trishel was a faithful. And then John, this is the funniest thing. It was Peter, John and I and Janelle and someone else. Cause like the, the whole asthma thing came up where like, he's got weird breathing, like that whole thing. <laughs> and we're, we're, in this room together 
And he just starts crying. He's like, guys, I've been a politician. I just want to show politicians can be like the best in the world. Like we're good people. And he's like, I just want to raise a glass to my family. And he just starts crying. Like he's crying, giving this speech. And I'm like, oh my gosh, John's faithful. Like, <laughs> like I, I wish not- they showed that. He's, he's like, he's crying. He goes, on my family and friends, you guys, I am a faithful. Just like, <laughs> they shouldn't. And I then um, after that, two production came in. Guys, please do not do on your friends and family um, toast to them that you are faithful. That kind of wrecks the purpose of the game. So we're like, John came in and said, you cannot use that strategy to show that you're faithful. Because we don't want traitors to like swear on their family and friends that they're a traitor or faithful. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so, great. So that's how we came up that we're all faithfuls. So what uh, you and Peter, it seems like you guys just became best buds on day one. Uh, what did you guys bond over? Just being similar kind of stages of life or had you seen him on The Bachelor? Yeah, well, so the last Bachelorette season I watched was Hannah Brown season. So I saw him on that, but I never watched his Bachelor season because I watched, I think it was Colton season, Hannah season, and then it was going to be Peter season, but I just watched him on Hannah season. So... I was like starstruck right when I saw him. I'm like, dude, I see. Cause like, I just got out of love Island. Like I haven't seen myself on TV. Like I still, I still haven't watched my season of love Island, but it was just funny because I was like, bro, I've seen you on TV before. This is so cool. (laughs) So I was just kind of starstruck with him. But other than that, it was just like, I think similar shows too. Like we both did a love show. So we like had similarities there. And I think it takes a certain kind of person to be, to do well on a love show. Like, I don't want to say it was like the lead of love Island season five, but like, I think a lot of people saw me as like the main boy character. Cause there's like a main girl character and there's a main boy character and just kind of my story arc from like day one in the villa until my last day in the villa. People kind of saw that as like a full story plot, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I like, I like what you said about Peter. Cause one thing about Peter that a lot of people, it's interesting. We got this convergence of all these different reality shows with the traders. And I think it's cool because it cross promotes a little bit. So now someone might want to watch love Island because they like seeing you on traders and they started watching cause they're a survivor fan and Sandra's on it. So mm-hmm. one of the things is with Peter, for those who don't know, was he was, he got dragged a little bit as the bachelor. There are a lot of people who he just kind of got dragged, didn't have the greatest of reputations, but since you watched his season of The Bachelorette, you might remember golf pro Garrett uh, Powell. He w- he made it to the final five. Garrett is actually a good buddy of mine who's come on the show a lot. And Garrett is buddies with Peter. And he was like, yeah, Peter's a great dude. Like, Peter is awesome. He's been telling me this for like two or three years. And so when he when I saw he was in the cast, I'm thinking, good opportunity for a redemption tour. And wow, I feel like he's done more than just redeem himself. He's endeared himself to the fans. Yeah, I, I know we were getting a lot of hate last week for like the Faithful Five or whatever. People were like, <laughs> don't understand numbers. It was like, and we were kicking people out. Well, the thing was with Phaedra, we were like, we were trying to get a pl- game plan together to get Phaedra out. So it's like, you can't have someone that you're trying to get out in the same room as you. And you only get so much time to discuss it. I know it looks like you have all day, but you really don't because you have to get ready for the mission. Then yeah. you have to go to the mission. So you have time there. Then you have to do the mission. You have to drive back. And then you have like maybe 30, 40 minutes before the round table. So it's like you need to spend every 
hour that you can because like breakfast maybe starts at 10 a.m let's say you do the mission at noon so like you only have like an hour before the to get the drive to the mission then you have your mission and then it's like maybe four o'clock and they're like hey we're doing the round table at five so then you have like your hour and so it's like you have to game plan whenever you have the chance to that's why like we're, we're like we're feeling crunched because we don't have a lot of time to figure out who the traders are how to strategize so and that's why this game moves so fast unlike big brother where you have like a whole week before elimination that's why like people are saying dan played such a bad game he's like he's used to having a week not two hours before the next elimination um but so then we, we kicked phaser out and then we also had mj walk in and mj was kind of in our group in the beginning but anytime we told her like hey we think this person's a traitor she would immediately then go to that person and say hey these guys are trying to get you out like if you remember Janelle telling her, like, let's get Dan out tonight. She immediately went to Dan and told him. Yeah, after didn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> and she's still doing it. Like, hey, Peter's having a conversation with Parvati right now. Like, she's just, she unknowingly throws you under the bus. Like, she's just, so it's hard to keep her in a room, too. Like, she's in, like, we all, well, we all know she's a faithful, but, like, she just throws <laughs> you under the bus when you don't want her to throw you under the bus. And so we had that problem, too. But we figured... We were actually going to do the Trishel strategy the same episode that we had, like, the sacrifice ceremony. We were going to try to use Parvati again to vote out Phaedra. And, we, you know, we didn't have – we knew we could maybe get – if we got um, Parvati to swing with us, that's 6-6. Six, six. And maybe we could got CT. Maybe we could have got Sandra. Like, I don't think so, but maybe – there's always that chance. Well, they had your vote at that point. Then that makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah, and then they lost my vote too. Sacrifice. <laughs> I was so mad. You... It was like, "What is this?" <laughs> and like, did I, you get screwed? I I feel like I got screwed a little bit. Like, I, I from a game aspect, I feel like I do because then we did the like the torch ceremony, and, and you have people choosing friendships over twenty years, and I I came in with nobody. Like, I came in fresh meat, so it did. <laughs> But I'm not going to be butthurt about it either. Like, I came to play a game. I hope I made a great show. But, yeah, I felt I was a little butthurt. I was like, you got to be kidding me. We're doing a sacrifice ceremony instead of a banishment. Because you only get so many banishments and you only get so many murders. And it's like, if they miss a murder by trying to do a recruit instead, they should have to deal with the consequences of that, not a sacrifice ceremony. Well, we've been talking about it on this show since season one. When Steph was on season one, we talked about it after the season, and I talked about it with some of the cast members of season one on this show as well. And the big thing to me is, like, there's got to be a greater reward for getting a traitor banished from the castle. Instead, it's like, hey, guess what? You guys just got one of them, and now you're not allowed to take out one. They get to murder somebody instead. Like, and they get to try to recruit somebody, and then when they can't recruit somebody... They're not going to, no one can get banished. And then we're going to murder somebody. That's just an un, they already have too much power as it is. Yeah. It, it just gave them even more power. I, if I could change anything about this game, I would say start with six traders, no recruitments. No, like if it, if you want 11 episodes and it ends on episode nine, that's too bad. Like, like, <laughs> no, we can get some fairness into it. Like no more recruits after a banishment. Cause that, then you actually get rewarded when you banish a trader. You get, if you're faithful and you banish a traitor, you don't get rewarded for it. You get punished. They get to recruit your best faithful, you know? So it's just like, they have to come yeah. up with a way where you get um, rewarded for what you're supposed to do, which is banishing traitors instead of getting punished. I think there should also be a chance for you to win safety from the banishment and from being murdered. 
not just the one shield. See, I don't, I don't know about that, but cause like, it's hard because it's like, uh, if everybody has a chance to get murdered, I feel like everybody should have a chance to get, um, banished as well. I, I feel like it should be equal. So my thing, like if, instead of doing recruits or like recruits, like if we got rid of the shields too, I'd be okay with that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like so you- I'd be just like start with six traders or five traders and then no recruits, but no shields either. Like just try to equal out the playing field. So it's, it seems more fair instead of like, you know, it, right now there's a little bit of unfairness to the game, but that, it also makes great TV though. So I can't, you know, <laughs> I'm not a producer. Thank you. Right. for so I'm not going to be here complaining the whole time. But <laughs> I'm thinking from a game aspect, you know, because it's a show first, game second. So why six traders? I, I feel like it just kind of balances out because you're guaranteed at least seven episodes then. At the very least. So you but would I, you think it would, if there are more traders, there's a greater likelihood of you getting a trader out. Oh, for sure. But at the same time, there's a greater, I don't know. I don't know what the perfect balance would be. Obviously, three's too, too less because like they're going to backstab each other. But like there, there's got to be a number where like you could probably do a full season of traders and finish it without recruiting either. At what point were you thinking, Dan's definitely got to be a trader? Because it was really interesting the way it was presented. It's It's obviously there's a lot of editing involved. So at first... You know, you watch the first couple episodes and it looks like he's running everybody. He's he know he's got the whole thing figured out. Then you start to see suspicion rising. And then it looks since he gets out early, it's kind of like he was the worst traitor is what the fans are going to say. Was he, in fact, that bad at how he did? Was it part of the fact that he's this big brother icon and people are already a little not trusting him because of the way he's played in the past? Oh, so I'm looking back at my journal. So the problem I I came in knowing who Dan and Janelle were as a Big Brother fan, and <laughs> I kind of tipped people off. That big deal. <laughs> I tipped MJ off. I I uh, and I kind of feel like I don't feel bad about it, but I was just like, if anybody's gonna be a traitor, gonna be good at it. It's gonna be Dan. So I was like, <laughs> Dan, like by episode three. So like I was ready to like vote him out episode three, but. <laughs> You know, what can you do? Um, but yeah, but he also wasn't really playing any social game. He wouldn't do any game chat. So like that was all shown. But I I also think like people say he ruined Parvati's game as well. But Parvati was like already kind of like on everybody's radar before the whole shield thing happened. And they just cut all that out of the episode five roundtable. So, yeah, I don't. He, you could make an argument that he ended Phaedra's game, but you can't. I don't think you can make an argument that he ended Parvati's game. With Parvati, I mean, it seemed like just from observing the show, it didn't seem like she was very tight with a whole lot of people. It didn't look like she had a whole lot of protection for herself. No, like, and that was the thing too. Like, so, like, we had the Bravo Alliance, and then we had the Faithful, the Faithful Alliance. <laughs> the, the gamers weren't in any alliance they were just kind of alienated by themselves like poverty was alone i really felt like ct was alone um and that probably w- helped made him more of a nervous wreck he didn't really have an alliance he was with and then he kind of tor- towards like episode six he started floating into the bravo alliance with phaedra but yeah i feel like sandra poverty and 
Dan and CT, like they just kind of alienated themselves. Like they didn't really have an alliance while we were forming one. Like we had Janelle, like we tried to save Janelle, but we couldn't. CT and Phaedra, are they a showmance? It looks like it. I didn't even know that was going on. I'm being completely honest. I didn't even see any of that going down. But now I'm watching the show. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I've done interviews with CT. And he goes, yeah, it's like um, romance meets the Among Us. And I was going, who was in the romance? And then I'm like, oh, this was your romance. <laughs> I don't know. We were talking earlier. and we, we thought there was a little bit of unresolved tension between uh, Pete and Parvati. Oh, I I saw the like Twitter posts and stuff like oh my gosh are they gonna kiss like oh <laughs> Peter and Parvati those scenes were always just a lot of fun they're just funny with each other and it, it was cool to see her team up with your group I really wish it had worked out I think that would have worked out well for your guys oh um, I I honestly think you know we could have got all the traders out by episode eight you know if we didn't have the sacrifice ceremony it would have been. I think it would have been really interesting to see it play out that way. But at the same time, like there were so many of us still in the castle. So they, you know, it's a TV show. They have to have the final four. We were thinking game first, show second. When we should have been thinking show first, games, game. <laughs> that was our, you guys. That was the downfall of my, I think my alliance was we were thinking game first, show second. And we should have been <laughs> twist here. You guys would have each come back home with like $25. <laughs> yeah, probably after taxes. <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah. Congrats, you all won 30,000. Now we're going to tax you and now you guys got 5,000 or something, whatever. <laughs> there's just like 15 people splitting all this money <laughs> and there's so many challenges that you haven't gotten to participate in. So Bergen, let me ask you this. I had not seen Love Island. Actually, this is a this is a question from my co-host Stephanie Lagrosa Kendrick, of course, season one, the Survivor Legend. Stephanie was unable to make it. You guys are on opposite schedule. She's a mother of three. So you said afternoon. I talked to her in the morning. Just wasn't gonna work out. But she gave me a question. The question that she has is her daughter is 12 years old. She loves you. She thinks you're great. She wants to know, is Love Island a show that's appropriate for 12-year-olds to watch? <laughs> no. I'm going to say 16 and up at the bare minimum. I'm glad her daughter loves me, though. I'm glad her daughter loves me, but 16 and up. <laughs> Are you aware that you're you're so lovable? I, I am aware because everybody's been calling me Burgalicious all of a sudden. I'm... Like, I'm not even Bergy anymore. I'm Bergalicious. I was like, this uh, thing last week in New York, I'm like, who is the most popular player? And everyone said Bergalicious. <laughs> it feels awesome well, to be popular, but I don't even know why I'm the most popular. Okay, so you're a Big Brother fan. So you remember Alyssa Riley, Rachel's sister? Rachel. No, so I know Rachel. See, I've been going back and watching all the Big Brother seasons. I'm watching Janelle's currently... Season six with Kaser, Howie, uh, is that another Rachel? And but like, I've I've been absolutely loving it. You got the friendship versus like the smart players, and it's just like. Oh. <laughs> and I saw a post last week comparing us to the friendship, and I'm like, we are not the friendship alliance. We don't know Alyssa was just on my show last week and she just called me up right before I interviewed you and she wanted me to let you know that she's a fan of yours. So oh, 
Perfect. Well, I got to meet Alyssa then. <laughs> so yeah, Bergie is uh, very popular. Not just women though. Men love you too. Oh, I get a lot of guys in my DM saying, hey, I just got rejected. Any advice or like, I go through a lot of that because I got rejected like the first half of my Love Island season, or you can say like the whole Love Island season, I was getting rejected. But so then I have a lot of guys reaching out to me or a lot of guys that are like in similar uh, situations where they just absolutely like relate to me. And they're like, you're awesome because you're like the most relatable guy we've seen on television. How'd you end up on TV? Just applied randomly one December night. I was like, I got, I came home after my final exams. I went to work at Dairy Queen, came home. It's like, gosh, like I'm still single. It's like Christmas is in two weeks. I, you know, I'm still no girlfriend. So I went on Netflix that night for whatever reason. Love Island season one was on there. I started watching the show and I was like, you know what? Why not just apply and see what happens? I applied 105 questions later, eight hours of just sitting there on my laptop. It was like 3 a.m. by the time I went to bed. And then I forgot about it. And like five months later in March, I get a phone call saying, hey, we just saw your Love Island application. Would you like to, you know, do an interview? Or like they asked me for a casting tape. So then I sent them a casting tape. And they're like, we're getting you an interview right away. They absolutely loved my casting tape. Did an interview. Absolutely loved me. And then I went to the executive producers of Love Island. Loved it. And then I went to like Peacock. Like I, and then after that, I went to Fiji. It was like, I did three interviews and like each interview was maybe like 20 to 30 minutes, but they just knew like within that hour and a half of interviews, like this is the guy. <laughs> so you were, when did they film Love Island? July 15th to August 28th. So you get back. And then how much longer after, like, you get home and, and then when do you get a call for traders? I didn't even leave Fiji. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So How does that happen? Like, so we finished the finale and then we had, had to wait, like, two days because we're, like, two days ahead of, like, lo- like when it releases for television. They didn't want to see any of us, like, posting on Instagram or doing anything like that. So, um, we... The next day after the finale, you meet with the EPs of Love Island and they're like, hey, nice job. Thank you for doing this. And then you thank them for having you obviously do the show because it's such a great opportunity for whatever career you want to do. And so I'm thanking them. Uh, My girlfriend did it first and hers was like a 15 minute meeting. I then go and do mine and I'm gone for like an hour. Like I'm meeting with the NBC execs. They're like, hey, we would really love for you to do Traders. It's airing September, like we're not airing, but like we're filming very soon. So you're going to have like two weeks when you go home and then you're going to have to fly to Scotland. So <laughs> I said, yes, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I went home for like 10 days and then I flew to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're a professional reality star. I, I think so. Like how many TV shows do you have to do before you're professional at it? I think just more than one. Yeah. More than once. I say if you, yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm like, what can makes you consider like a reality TV star? Is it like doing, I think it's like, cause you, anybody, I feel like anybody can do one show, but like to be popular on that one show is hard to do it. And then if you are able to pull that off, then you can stay in the business. Yeah. It's interesting. It's changing a lot because we didn't have as many crossover shows like 10, 20 years ago. So like Boston Rob 
plays for Survivor five times. Rachel plays Big Brother a couple times. Janelle plays Big Brother four times. And like, it was kind of more like you were the master of one show. And now I feel like for more of the people that come up like you, the path is a little different. It's like, there's this show. I think there are going to be other shows similar to this that'll be coming out in the next couple of years. There's the challenge where it's like you get on the challenge and then it's like, okay, that can be your job. You just keep doing that twice a year. Like, (laughs) would you do the challenge? I would do the challenge for sure. Like, for me, it's like, I want to, you know, do a show and like, maybe I can use my identity with it, if that makes sense. And then like, like the challenge, if you think of the challenge, you're thinking banana CT, like the challenge is bananas and CT. Like that's kind of like what I'd hope for. Like our summer house is Kyle, but I would love to do a, like a game type show, like kind of like traders, but like, I would love to have like some more balance to it. Like with the traders and faithful, like you have an equal opportunity to survive every elimination and you build alliances or something cool like that. Kind of like the challenge, like you do these crazy things. Like that would be like kind of my dream job is getting on one of those shows and then just being like identified with that. That'd be sweet. So you mentioned that you uh, just basically got dropped off into the castle and you're seeing a bunch of people that are pretty famous and have big followings and have been on TV a long time. Who were you the most uh, starstruck by, excited to meet? What was that experience like for you, being kind of the new kid on the block? Yeah, so I was, for whatever reason, on my flight to Scotland, I ended up sitting next to Phaedra. Um, Out of all people, like, just must have happened out of, like, just, you know, timings that for flights going to Scotland that I remember uh, getting on the flight. And I was like, you can't, like, I'm not going to tell anybody, like, what I'm doing because you're not supposed to. And I'm, I helped Phaedra put up her suitcase. She's like, honey, what are you doing in Scotland? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to go to Scotland. And she's like, are you going to a castle? I was like, yes, I'm going to. <laughs> she's like, perfect. Let me just talk for like an hour. And that's how she saw like my Instagram handle being Burgalicious. It wasn't like she just came up with it. So like, I threw out <laughs> Love Island experience. And she, I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it on the show. I think I could be an alternate. Like I, I thought I was an alternate going there. I didn't know I was actually going to be on it. Like I thought I was just going to be subbing for someone if someone got like sick, like Tamara or um, whatever. So I was just there. And then I got the call like our, you know, an EP of traders came in and said, hey, you're going on the show. And that was another exciting moment. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing another show because I, I wasn't told like you're going on traders. I was told we could potentially use you if we want to. So that was super exciting. But um, being starstruck. So. Another thing, Janelle is a huge fan of Love Island. I don't know if you know that. Um, so <laughs> she know that. in between Trader or Love Island and Traders saying, Hey, it was so fun watching you having another person represent Minnesota so well. Like this awesome DM message. And then I get in my van to go to the castle, and there's Janelle. <laughs> Which was I'm like, wait a second, you're the one that just DM'd me like a week ago. So <laughs> Janelle was pretty awesome. Phaedra was like awesome to meet, like obviously pre-show and then meet her actually in the show. And then Peter from The Bachelor was probably really cool. Deontay Wilder, you know, boxing. Yeah. That was awesome. Deontay, I really wish he had stuck around longer. He was great TV. Oh, he was fantastic. And I I understand how the game got to him. Like he had some childhood trauma that just came up with like um what do you call it? Misaccusation 
or falsely accused like and then he was being a part of that false accusation so like it just kind of hit a nerve with him mm-hmm. so i understand like because you don't expect that to come up like and I, i'm sure he didn't expect it to come up but then it's just it just triggered all of a sudden out of nowhere and yeah i wonder why they maybe yeah maybe he wasn't the person to call for this particular show maybe there's a different reality show for him i'm sure there is and i'm sure like obviously i I wouldn't recommend him doing that again but like and i'm sure like you can't like plan for that like you know and he had no idea that was going to trigger production had no idea it was going to trigger and it just triggered you know and he just fall apart because like he really thought and max and him were getting along so well like they were playing pool in the billiards room and stuff and then all of a sudden he accuses him of being a traitor and he's not a traitor it's like you turned on your best friend that you made for the past three days and you were completely wrong i yeah and that was <laughs> i was like i'm never gonna come out and start talking until i know someone's a traitor or like i have great evidence i'm not gonna throw stuff out there that's why I, like i was so quiet in the beginning and then episode five you just see me come out i'm like all right i'm here and then the other thing too is i needed affirmation that other people thought who I thought was a traitor as well. When you told Dan that he you, he was on your radar, that you were, you know, kind of eyeing him, were you a little emboldened by the fact that you had a shield? To f- you felt like you could say something like that? No, you guys was more pissed off he got rid of Janelle. <laughs> <laughs> like, Janelle left, and Janelle was the one, like, I was under her wing, like, she told me what to do, and then I had no one to look up to besides Peter and then myself. And I was just like, all right, here we go. And uh, Janelle left. And I was just like, your name is on my chalkboard. And that just stuck to me. Like it showed the first time I said it that night, but then I followed him around the castle. I'm like, you gonna say a name? What's going on here? Like, like, what are you doing? Like, you still didn't say a name after that round table. Like, he's like, I like, I'm like, how do you not have anything? So it was very apparent that like he was either a traitor or he had no idea how this game was going to work. <laughs> you mentioned a little bit about how your group did exclude some people from conversations and it was played up on TV. Was that uh, entirely accurate as it was depicted on TV? Yeah, it was completely accurate. Um, but I really think if we had CT in that room, we would have like, tried to pull ct as a number but it was just the people that walked in was the problem it wasn't like um everyone else was the problem it was just the people that walked in during that conversation because we actually peter then went to sheree afterwards and tried to pull sheree over as well and they didn't show that like we we started to get the numbers back but they didn't they showed like the two people walking in and then they went to sandra and then sandra showed her game plan of seven versus five but they didn't show us like actually getting the numbers back for the round table. And is there anything that you would do differently or have done differently? What do you, th- why do you think you lost? Oh, definitely because I was in that Alliance, the Alliance killed me. But at the same time, we viewed ourselves as like the martyrs. Like we were going to let help the faithfuls win no matter what. And that's, I hope that's what we end up doing. Um, I'm just trying to think like, you know, have you ever seen Rogue One? I have not. Okay. Well, it it was like, we knew not all of us were going to make it, but if we were going to make it, we needed to work together and get one trader out at a time. We we figured it was going to be one trader out, one murder, one trader out, one murder. 
figure out one murder. And we, so we knew like it's probably going to be one or two of us that were going to make it to the end. And like we planned for that. Like we're like, hey, one of us is going to be gone tomorrow. We're going to have one less vote, but we're going to have to work someone else over. And who do we think are the traitors? Because we were always talking strategy of like the numbers game and that. And I, I think that's what people are like. It was seven versus five. These guys are idiots. No, we knew it was seven versus five, but we were trying to come up with a plan to get the traitors out. That was their one goal was to get the traitors out. It wasn't about like voting off another faithful. Yeah, that makes sense. And you didn't want people who were going to mess up the plans. Yeah. Doing that. <laughs> yeah. Or knowing what was going on. Uh, let's see a couple more things. So let's see. Did you watch season one before you went out there? Yeah. Cause I had the 20 days to watch US season one. <laughs> I, I, I tried to watch like an episode a day. And then there was, I got to like episode five and then I was just hooked on it. And I watched the, like the last six episodes of season one, like the first five episodes. I was like, okay. I'm, and then once like Cody's name got out there, I was like, oh, now I'm hooked. I'm like, are they going to get him? Or are they not going to get him? And then they voted so, out. So you are a Minnesota sports fan. Yes. I got to ask you about the Vikings. I know it was a rough year. Takeaways from the 2023 season. Is Kirk Cousins coming back? I So personally, I would love to see Kirk Cousins come back. But right when he got hurt, like what I was in Scotland filming when the season started. <laughs> And I think when I got back, we were like one and four, one and five. I was like, oh my gosh, the season's already over. And then they started winning again. I was like, all right, I'll start watching. And then we're playing Green Bay and Kirk Cousins gets hurt. And I'm like, okay, season's over. And then we get, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember the quarterback, but. Jaron Hall? No, it was, it was. the Dobbs? Or like, he was like an aerospace engineer. with like, just, we got him all of a sudden. He was like the third string guy. And. People were like, oh my gosh, he's amazing. He's so much better. Dobbs, yeah, Josh Dobbs, right? Yes, that's who it was. Um, and people were like, oh my gosh, he's so good. And I'm just like, no, the defenses haven't figured him out yet. Like, he just showed <laughs> and, like Defenses don't know. Like, they planned for, like, a guy like Kirk Cousins, and now we have Dobbs. And, like, but, like, then they figured him out, and then he was terrible. But it was just, like, that two-week period when, like, nobody knew what he was going to do. We didn't even know what he was going to do. But I would personally cut the if i could do my own decisions cut kirk cousins contract in half invest it into the offensive line because kirk cousins is a good quarterback depending on how he recovers from his injury right now but our biggest problem is the offensive line like kirk cousins gets like a second and a half and he's sacked and most quarterbacks they get two to three seconds so like that's why kirk cousins looks terrible it's not because he is terrible it's because our offensive line is so bad I don't think I don't even think he looks terrible. I mean, I think well, I, I don't you saw either, what this what this team was without him this year. I think there are a lot of people who have been so overly critical and of Kirk Cousins for years since they signed him, and even going back to his Washington days. So I, I think he showed how valuable he is. I also think the NFC North is going to be really tough for the next few years. Yeah, per- personally, I think our greatest weakness. I don't, I don't know how our defense is doing. I've heard. Not so good things about our defense, but I honestly think Kirk Cousins just needs a slightly better offensive line, and he's set. So, like, if we could like cut, because I think he was like on an eighty million dollar contract, so like, give him fifty million, and then put thirty <laughs> million into your offensive line, get some good players for the offensive line to defend him. Like, it'll make up for it. 
Because I'm pretty sure Kirk Cousins would rather have a lower paycheck and win the Super Bowl than have a higher paycheck and not ever win a Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe he'd reframe his contract. I know Ben Roethlisberger used to do that a lot with my Steelers. It was like every single year he'd be taking pay cuts to try to make the team better. And Brady yeah. did it his whole career too. Yeah, I think, yeah, and players willing to do that are like, they're my heroes. <laughs> <laughs> the big topic here in Chicago is, should the Bears hang on to Justin Fields or draft Caleb Williams? Do you have an opinion on that one? I don't. I'm not a Bears fan. <laughs> you guys make your own decisions. I'll make my decisions for the Vikings and act like I know what's going on. <laughs> Congratulations. Joe Maurer inducted into the Hall of Fame. He goes into Cooperstown this summer. That'll be exciting, right? That's a big one. Joe Maurer has been like my favorite baseball player since like 2007. Like as a kid, like, oh my gosh, he's the catcher. He wears all that cool gear. You know, like, <laughs> like that's the coolest position because you get to wear all the gear. So, like, seeing him get inducted after, you know, I watched him play for, like, 11 years, and then I really haven't watched the Twins since Joe Maurer has left. He was winning batting titles as a catcher. That He was an amazing hitter. You don't typically get that kind of offensive production out of a catcher. Uh, Well-deserved number one pick, I want to say, the 2001 MLB draft. I remember listening to that draft on the radio because what, what better things was I doing when I was, like, Seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> you got any uh, anything else on the traders that you wanted to kind of share or talk about? This is your outlet to do so. I know. I think I really covered it all. I hated the sacrifice ceremony. One, because I got eliminated. And two, I was like, not, not, it's not balanced. Like, it's like, when do the traders ever have to sacrifice one of their players? Why are we making the faithful sacrifice one of theirs? Like, it's supposed to be even banishment murder. But other than that, um, Trying to think what other things, but I think we really covered it all. Like, I brought up my notebook. Um, everybody kind of knew my strategy. I think I played a better game than a lot of people thought. I got, I remember, um, I went on to Reddit before I left, and like there was a casting rumor that I got on the traders, and I was reading what people were saying, and they were like, Oh my gosh, he's gonna be manipulated, he's gonna be murdered first, or whatnot. And I was like, well, I did a lot better than a lot of people thought I was going to do. So I was super proud of that. <laughs> Good job, Bergie. How would you have played if you were a trader? You think you could have nailed that? Honestly, I think I could have. I honestly do. Just because I would have been nervous both ways. Uh, and people would have been like, oh, that's weird that he's not nervous if they actually knew who I was. And I think I could have done a pretty good job. I honestly do. I I think I could have just stayed under the radar, voted people out. Um, the only thing that I think that might slip me up, like Max, I might have been smiling at those banishments, knowing I was like, <laughs> and that would be like my downfall. I'd be like, yes, I survived another banishment. And they aren't. Because <laughs> I, I honestly, who would, have, who would really suspect me? Like, everybody was like, oh, it's got to be Survivor player. It's got to be a big brother player, you know? So I think I could have... Like if it was Phaedra and myself in the turret, I think that would have made fantastic TV. <laughs> We'd been like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stephanie's idea is she thinks that they should randomize who the traders are. They definitely should. They they can't do Survivor or Big Brother players anymore. Like they're and like even when they don't do it next year, they're gonna be the first ones voted out. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe you stack the deck and you put like half the cast of people from Big Brother and Survivor. So that way. They're not all gone at the beginning. <laughs> well, 
there, there would still be all the Big Brother players and all the Survivor players being eliminated, but it'd be pretty. Yeah. But yeah, they definitely got to do something next year. They can't keep choosing the Survivor and Big Brother. Well, and they only chose a Big Brother player and a Housewife, so really they didn't choose Survivor players and Big Brother players, but they got to do something next year. Who would you like to see in terms of like athletes or former athletes in the Deontay Wilder or Ryan Lochte spot? Oh my gosh. You know, I, I was like psyching myself up this year. I was like, am I going to see Tom Brady as an athlete? <laughs> well, I would have freaked out. So, but I want to like, who I like, I'm thinking like, uh, Stefan Diggs, just like a wild personality in there. Like, or like, Justin Jefferson, why not? Why not a quarterback? So like, let's do Kirk Cousins. Obviously, I'm saying Vikings, but like, I think it'd just be funny. Patrick Mahomes at a round table, something like Kermit the Frog. You know, like I'm not a traitor. <laughs> but yeah, I think it'd be great. <laughs> He's Bergy, and last name Bergerson, mm-hmm. right? Bergen, Bergerson or Bergen, Bergenson. Bergerson, Karsten Bergerson. Bergerson. Karsten Bergerson. Karsten Bergerson. Bergerson. What do you have coming up that people should be checking out? You want to throw out your social media or anything you got to plug or promote? Yeah, so uh, follow me on Instagram at Bergalicious35. Then we have um, TikTok, Karsten B. Uh, X, or used to be Twitter, Karsten Bergy. And then I have a YouTube channel coming out soon. And then I'm also going to do subscription workouts coming very soon as well. Workout with Bergy. Workout with Great Bergie. idea. If you're interested, go ahead and follow me on Instagram. And then I'll be getting that YouTube channel up soon with the workout with Bergy. Awesome. Well, Bergy, thank you so much for carving out some time for us today. This is great. Yeah, no problem. I enjoyed it. All right, y'all. That concludes our conversation today with Bergalicious. Bergie. Okay, what a day. I recorded the recap with Stephanie earlier to this morning. This is Afternoon Jack. Afternoon Jack, you guys probably noticed, Afternoon Jack has a little more energy. Morning Jack is still kind of groggy. He's still waking up. Afternoon Jack has had second cup of coffee, and he's ready to go. He's ready for, uh, <laughs> he's ready to talk. So anyway, I had a lot of fun this week. We just, like I said, we just recorded, we did the recap of episode eight, Bergie's Murder. Go back and check that out if you missed it. We've been recapping the show every single week with Stephanie. Stephanie couldn't be here today. So this was our interview with Bergie. He was super gracious with his time. I appreciated him coming on and kind of open up in a long form interview. Was a lot of fun. Great guy, by the way. Man, I could see why he's so loved and adored. Like, what a good dude. Um, we've got another guest coming on this Friday on our recap. So, we take a look at our social media. It's somebody who is currently on the traders and is still in contention for the prize money. So, I'll be putting that out there on social media. We'll announce it who it is. Uh, before maybe a day or two before the episode drops on Friday. And you guys can follow me at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then hit subscribe to the Jack Vita Show. 
where we have like 97% of the people that watch this show here on YouTube are not even subscribed. So hit subscribe, turn on notifications, and then uh, join us next week for more Traders coverage. And perhaps we'll have some more interviews like this one with cast members from the Traders Season 1. We do have a bunch of them from Season 2. Hope you will go back and check those out. All right, we'll be back soon. Until next time, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters. <laughs>